Wizard of Whiskey presents Swig and Ramble, a podcast for the modern age. Come for the whiskey, stay for the shit show. Introducing Justin Curry at Wizard of Whiskey, Julia Men at The Wee Tipple, and Mindy Schwartz at Whiskey Editor. And now, pour yourself a drink and enjoy the show. I know I will. Today is a very exciting episode as your three intrepid cohorts, Justin Curry at BevFluence, Mindy Schwartz at Whiskey Editor, and obviously me, myself, and I, Julia Mann at The Wee Tipple, are recording together in person for the first time since Swig and Ramble launched. Ramble's Yeah, jazz so, hands. Wow, jazz hands, spear fingers, <clears throat> glitter and confetti. Um, and also joining us today are Kelly Rivers and David T. Smith, who are with us last season talking about their cocktail books talking about gin talking about all sorts of awesome stuff uh they will be chatting about i'm sure their books as well giving a recap of that um and this time of course it is going to be gin centric as well as we are doing gin and junk food yeah all the stuff (laughs) that we love that's happening it's so good uh I, I know that Kelly has at least a cocktail. We have quite, the, we have about a dozen gins in front of us. I don't know how many we're going to get through, uh, but we're going to be rotating through a number of them and talking about them. But I want to start with Let's Sours Our Mash because holy shit, there's stuff like, so, okay, who, yeah, who, who wants to, who wants to jump in with this? I feel like we should leave it to one of our guests. Kelly, would you like to go first? Yeah, um, well, I like to think of it, uh, what doesn't sour my mash, but what grinds my junipers, um, because we know that can give a very awful taste in some junipers, but done well, also tasty. Um, this is one I had that I actually sent to Smith in April uh, while I was in Los, uh, Los Angeles at this really high-rise hotel. And the thing that these newfangled elevators where you have to push the floor and like you go up, but what happens if you forget what floor you're on? So now you're on this floor and you can't like stop in the middle. You have to get out of the elevator. And sometimes they don't go all the way down to the bottom. So I was staying on the 42nd floor of the Intercontinental. And to get to the, get out of the hotel, I had to go up to the 75th floor to walk out of the elevator, down a different hallway, around the corner to a different elevator, just to go all the way back down to the ground floor to finally leave. And anytime I want to do anything that wasn't my room or the lobby, which is on the 70th floor, I had to go up to the 70th floor to find another elevator to get to a different level. It was the most infuriating thing I have ever seen in a really long time. And it wasn't one of those speedy elevators. It took the normal amount of time. So I don't know. It was really annoying and frustrating. And no amount of martinis helped alleviate this frustration. Where was that? What would you like... Instead, Kelly, like someone in a little bellboy uniform with the with the handle. So they can get, <laughs> what floor, madam? I mean, at that point, at least I could talk to somebody about yeah, my frustration. But when I said something about like this is this is kind of asinine, they just looked at me blankly. Maybe they just had too much like Botox because it was LA. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe people in LA are okay with this, but I myself am not. Oh man, that sounds. <laughs> insane like who created that who thought that was a good idea for an elevator what 
yeah, someone on a piece of paper that was like top down and not like what it actually means for everybody who has to ride those elevators. That's some bullshit. That's what I'm calling. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that's my latest uh, grinding that I, I'm just, it's, it's been over a month and I'm still incredibly frustrated about that elevator ride. Definitely left a mark on you. Uh, I'm going to jump in here because as we're sitting on this couch, and I'm at a slightly weird angle. My back really hurts. <laughs> and gee, Justin, I wonder why that is because we might have had to fill an entire cargo van full of boxes of boots. <laughs> and guess who was in there tetrising it all together? Because to be honest, I do have some skills when it comes to packing a van, but holy shit, is this is what getting old is like. It sucks. My back hurts. I want a bath. <laughs> A massage. <laughs> okay, that's that's an interesting story with your match. Your back hurts. I'm cranky. I'm old. I'm an old man. Cranky, cranky, old, and your back hurts. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a good thing we're. It's a good thing we're on a ramble show. Um, so yeah, um, I have a lot of sours by my match. Frankly, pretty much everything irritates me these days. Um, but I think the. The biggest thing is, and I hate to I hate to constantly go back to traffic, but when you're in a vehicle, I don't quite understand why people assume that there are no consequences. Like when you slide over into someone's lane or just aren't paying attention, or I saw a guy the other day double fisting his phone while in a van, like... Mm. <laughs> like this like dude your pinkies are not enough to sustain that steering wheel nope. <laughs> what was he doing it was double fisting his cell phone like this fisting his cell phone double fi- a, you know double as, fi- like holding as, his no one- <laughs> wow okay using using both thumbs to text yes. while driving at the yes. same time and yes. holding both the steering wheel and the cell phone. Yes. With you, uh, sorry. As, as, now as we're going to call it double fisting. Yeah. I'm sure you're very coordinated, sir, but your pinkies are not enough to sustain that goddamn steering wheel. Pay the fuck attention to what you're doing, or at least don't be on the road at the same time that I am. Yeah. Oh, I want to jump in on this because you were gotten really pissed. Yes. As we were driving out to where we're staying, there was a woman who was literally on the freeway brushing her hair <laughs> while trying driving. To, trying to get on the freeway. And, like, and being a real bitch about driving because she was brushing her hair. So she was too concerned about her hair to actually be driving properly. And it was quite dangerous the way she was. Mm. And who was she in front of? <laughs> me. She was in front of me, for fuck's sake. Again, it's, it's very simple. Don't be on the road if you're going to be a moron. I feel like that's, I've said this before and I will continue to say it. David, what's ours your mash? <laughs> well, um, I'll t- I, I tell you what's ours my mash and I'll bring it back to Jim as well because it's just one of those little things that just niggles me. And it is that when you have a bramble, and, you know, the recipe for a bramble calls for creme de mure. It does not call for Chambord. It is not blackberry and raspberry, as Chambord is. Very nice French liqueur. Lovely orb, although they've got rid of that now. It is blackberry. 
Blackberry has a sweetness, it has a tartness. It does not have this extra jamminess that the raspberry's bringing in. So get rid of it. It's creme de mule. And if you can't have it, just make something else. Wait, wait, wait. Chambord got rid of the iconic bottle? When? Yeah. When did that yeah, happen? Which is the whole reason why they bought the forbidden fruit and all that jazz, just so they could have this ore bottle, but they've, they've moved away from it. It's, it's cheap plastic now. Yeah, it doesn't have the crown on the top anymore. Yeah. It's, oh, still, an it's ore, still round. Oh. Yeah, but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't look like an orb, it's, you know, it's, we, it's, either it's we've some got crap that some millennial yeah. came yeah. over. Anyway, Mindy. Yeah. Well, your mash. I feel like you have a lot you want I'll, to unload. No, I'll pick one. I'll pick one. This this goes back to a, a previous sours my mash in that people who take pictures of real estate just need to die. Oh. I, <laughs> Wait, okay. Um, death threats. She is giving no. death threats, apparently. That's kind of scary. People um, have gotten very good at, at filtering and wide angle lensing houses to the point to where a room that is 10 by 10 looks like it's, you know, 15 by 20. And it's, you know, a house that's 1,200 square feet looks like a mansion. Or Airbnbs that have black mold in the showers look like they're new build bathrooms. Skull duggery with the real estate pictures. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. well, you know, we're making do. Hopefully we don't come out of here all poisoned with black mold. <laughs> <coughs> it's, it's a very big thing black in the big thing in New York real estate when you're looking at apartments that they always do it with like a fish eye. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To make the rooms look bigger. So when my flatmate and I were looking for apartments, we had to make sure like the base of the door or the closet didn't scoop down to yeah. actually know how big the uh, the apartment really was and if they were using a fisheye. Yep. What if the doors just actually did that? I mean, I've seen some. <laughs> like you're living in a fun house. It's very true. Fun house. <laughs> I'd be terrified. Uh, Kelly, I want to know what is in your glass because you showed something. It looked like a cute little cocktail. What are you drinking? Uh, well, I've had a few different cocktails um, to go with my food, but the one uh, we were talking about, uh, oh, formal wear, one of my drinks today is the tuxedo, <laughs> which would be uh, gin, fino sherry, and orange bitters. Um, it's one of my favorite, I love sherry cocktails. Um, and so it's just, you know, two parts gin, I'm using the Sip Smith London Dry, one part, you know, sherry, sometimes I use Apollo Cordato if I want something richer, and then two dashes of orange bitters that I twist, um, stir, and then put with an orange twist. So cheers. Cheers. I'll drink to that. Nice. Fancier than what we're drinking. Yeah. yeah. We, we just, we didn't make cocktails yet. That's later in the day. Ginny. But yeah, <laughs> I'm trying the Anchorage Distillery Aurora Gin. Uh, made from 100% local grain from the Anchorage, Alaska, I'm assuming. Yep. Anchorage, Alaska. Yeah, I don't think they grow has, grain in Alaska. That's I, not a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, they say they do. Thing. You have a very <laughs> weird taste on. <laughs> Reaper. Um, okay. This, it, Not it, you, it, No. It, it, someone was taking pictures of us. They have a very interesting nose. 
it has opened up a little bit now, but the initial note I was getting, it smelled like a wet animal. And that was kind of the only thing I was getting. So sorry, but it was not good. What, yeah, I don't sort of animal. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. What sort it, of animal? It was not, not wet dog. dog. It was not wet dog. Um, Mindy said raccoon. Sheep? <laughs> so, a mule? A wet mule? Mule? Could be a wet mule. See, I think a wet mule might be worse than a wet dog. Yeah, I think we. I think they actually froze. Oh, no, we're back to it. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I think a wet sheep. I think a wet sheep would smell no, worse than a wet dog. Definitely not or a wet, wet sheep. Mule. I've smelled wet sheep. Um, wet raccoon, or maybe a wet a wet mule. Yeah, I could go with that. Um, thankfully, it doesn't taste like a wet animal. Mm. It just how oh, would you know? Do you go around tasting wet animals? I mean, I've worked with a lot of animals before. I used to work with seals. You know, it's just. Uh, when when we're studying for our sommelier exams, yeah, they're, we're told to to taste and smell everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything coming Very bad advice, by the way. Very bad advice. I mean, I've licked, I've licked things I shouldn't have licked. Okay, it's just, yeah. Okay, oh, man, okay. Going stop bad, digging okay. that hole. No. Gross. I'm getting off this couch. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's fine. It is a very standard, simple, easy gin. Pretty short finish. It's a little bit of spice. I'm honestly not getting much juniper. No real botanicals are standing out. It's a bit more like a... Quite disappointing. A vodka that says it's gin. Like, eh. It's just, it would be really good for mixing, I guess. But I'm sorry. Sorry, Aurora Gin. I was really wanting to like you because it has really cool packaging they have the aurora borealis on the label and a glass of pork aurora borealis yeah it's a beautiful package but eh, the flavor is just not doing it for me kids (laughs) sorry (laughs) dt what's in your glass i have got a classic gin and soda so just gin and sparkling water that's why i've got nice and clean i've got this new i don't think it's out yet when's this going out am i breaking an embargo showing this to you maybe um, it's the it's new River Test Sunset Citrus, um, and it's got pink grapefruit, ro- uh, pomelo, and rose hip. Ooh, that sounds yummy. So, there we go. Nice, bright, citrusy, perfect with tonic, or if you want something a little lighter than tonic water, then just a, uh, as I said, just some sparkling water, whatever your sparkling water of choice is. Nice. And some ice, but it's just you know, bright, fresh, crisp, delightful. Hey, Good for pairing with food, I'm sure. Oh. Like, <laughs> what have I got? What have I got here that I think I'm, I've got a little selection of snackaroos here? So, I think I've got some, some dry roasted peanuts. Oh, well, we have some nuts, got from uh, cashews and macadamia nuts. Actually, that's a good choice. <laughs> so, in my glass today, I have got. Black Button Distilling, their Citrus Ford gin. And it would be really good, I feel like, with Kelly's uh, citrusy cocktail that she's drinking Mm. because it is lots of citrus. There's there's some botanicals on the tail end of the palate, but it is extremely orangey. (laughs) Mm. Okay, so, sorry, jumping in here because you were talking about nuts, David. I did Mm. just have some uh, salted and I think these might be slightly gently roasted cashews. Mm-hmm. Had that with the Aurora. 
And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a little bit better. But salt, not. salt is very good when it comes to playing with different drinks. And um, yeah. uh, I mean, it's a, yeah, I wouldn't say it really boosts the character, but it mellows things out. So <clears throat> I don't know. It's just interesting how food and gin interact. What are you drinking, Justin? Um, I'm doing uh, barrel aged gin, barrel rested, whatever you want to call it. This is from the East London um, Liqueur Company, East London Liquor Company. This is their premium mm-hmm. gin. Um, it's a wheat-based spirit. A um, little bit of candy, a little bit of caramel. Definitely get, you know, some decent juniper on here. I chose, oh, that's that's interesting. And I think I know exactly what I'm going to pair that with. Um, I chose the barrel aged um, because I feel like when we're talking about food and gin, um, <laughs> Um, I, I just enjoy a nice a nice barrel aged gin with various snacks. So, why don't we start with what are the rules? Are there rules? And are there rules? Are there rules for okay. for gin pairing? Now, I'm going to throw this out here and say, at least in wine, nothing is typically going to be a fatal or disastrous pairing. Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I it really boils down to the yes there are general rules and ideas to help give you an idea of what would go well together but rarely is something going to be completely disastrous just based on people's preferences now i mean they saw i I was sort of saw turn once with and it was too young with haggis at the at the at the queen's Mm. you know table and it was very it was disastrous wow Mm. that's on i mean i think haggis with anything would be disastrous so i'm just gonna throw that much much better however I have never, have I done a gin pairing before? Probably not. Um, so is it different than wine? Are there actual rules? Let's weigh in with the experts here. Oh man, who are you talking to? Because I'm definitely not an expert. Smith, are you an expert in this? Where, where's, where's the International Gin and Food Pairing Association when you need them? No, right? We're going to create some, one. We need some bureaucracy here. Let's do this. I think you make, I would say, I think you make, a good point about looking at the aged gin. And I think actually looking at gin and food pairing, whilst um, historically it's been going on for a long time, which I think Kelly will touch on later, um, in a sort of modern day times, you don't see it very much in the same way that you might see whiskey or even rum or something like that. You just don't see it very much. the odd event but there's not too much written about it but i think i think the approach to take when thinking about it is to think oh what might go well with an think in a broader term so think about aged gins think about slow gins you know those sweeter Mm. styles and then these bottles here they're not actually necessarily what's in there but you know this is a more this is my own blend of more citrus it's in a bombay sapphire bottle but it's a more citrusy blend of citrusy gins this is a blend of herbal gins this is a blend of floral gins i've got a blend of spice gins somewhere else and kind of looking at it in that way i think is kind of it's quite a healthy way of looking at it. rather than like going down into all these individual botanicals and like what does dragon's eye taste like and all this kind of thing <laughs> thinking about this broader do i like a more citrusy gin do i want a more sort of sweet spice gin do i want a savory gin and I think, in general, approaching gin in that way, it's easier to communicate to the bartender or whomever what it is that you want to drink 
but also you can explore it in a more straightforward way, I think. So like this one, citrusy, so I'm like, it's bright, it's fresh, it's citrusy. Okay, maybe a little salinity, something just that I can just pick at. That's why I think the nuts work. I've got like other stuff here where I, I have no idea what I'm going to pair it with and what is going to work with. I've got some some Turkish delight. I'm intrigued to see how that's going to go. I've got some white chocolate buttons. Who Ooh. knows? <laughs> um, and I've got some Ferrero Rocher, which is Ooh, yum. so. We'll, we will see. But night is young. So <laughs> when you're talking about gin and food, it's kind of like talking about picking your gin for your cocktail like you can think about it i like how uh, david says like citrus herbal floral spice and then juniper is kind of like the like a circle or a pen like not a pentagram but a shape that you would think of and you can go citrus on citrus on citrus and just kind of push that citrus flavors out so where you could make a citrus driven gin into a bee's knees which is going to be gin honey lemon juice and then put it together with maybe like a sashimi or a teradito or something that is like citrus uh, cooked raw fish and just kind of like layer on all that citrus. So they kind of like work together because you're going down this flavor profile. Or you can pull it the other way. So if you have a very citrusy driven gin, you might want to go herbaceous to kind of put, let the citrus balance out one side and the herbaceous balance out the other side. So you can make a uh, a citrus gin in, let's say, a gin mojito, which has got that carbonation that citrus loves, but it's also got that mint for the, you know, that herbaceousness for the mint. And then you can have it with a really lovely garden salad with maybe like a shallot dressing. Like these are the things you can play with. Um, yes, yes, you have your hand raised. Jesus raising his hand. What? Do you have a question? What the hell is a gin mojito? <laughs> what is isn't a gin mojito? Really? You've never had no, a gin I'm... mojito? Oh. I've never had one, but it sounds fascinating. I mean, I would probably like that because I do love gin. I've never really liked mojitos, but I might get behind so, it if it had gin in it. Yeah, there's a there's actually a some very classic renditions of the mojito that's like we're talking about like 1889s into the early 1900s, and one of them is the mojito colero number uh, number two. So basically, think of a gin mojito like a normal mojito with rum. Substitute gin, but instead of sugar, you add rum to it. And the rum is your sweetening agent to it. So it's a lot drier. Um, it's less viscous, but it still has those like lovely uh, juniper notes with the mint and the carbonation. Whoa. I think it would probably go quite well with, mm -hmm. if you're going, if we're talking about snacks and stuff, some sort of um, dark chocolate or a little dark chocolate baton or something like that. I can see that sort of, that mint works well with the chocolate and lime works well with the chocolate and Juniper generally works quite well with dark chocolate, so I could kind of see if you wanted something on the sweeter side, you could maybe go down that route. Okay, so I, I will just say, yeah, I'll go for I it. will say, I have to preface this. I have four degrees in culinary arts, so I have a background in 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 cooking. And so when I talk about food and gin pairings, I might go away from uh like a little bit farther down the rabbit hole of actual dishes and techniques uh, versus uh. My, my love of uh, Fritos and, and gin and tonics, so. Mm. Fritos I, and gin I, yeah. I, I, I just did an assortment with my gin, um, the, the barrel aged. Um, everything yeah. from goldfish crackers, very, very distinct, very interesting. Macadamia nuts, actually, by far. A little bit of um, uh, roasted. Um, by far my favorite pairing. Um, my second favorite would be Schwizzlers. Oh. Very interesting. 
super the the sweetness really kind of drew out the extra caramel um and this kind of like baked bramble note in the gin we so, should clarify that those are the, the pull and peel cherry pizzas. yes they are the pull and peel cherry pizzas, yes. <laughs> um i switched gins i am now having the great northern distilling herbalist gin which is from Wisconsin. So of course I'm from Wisconsin. So I had to try it. It's from Clover, Wisconsin. Um, and I decided to pair it because it so does. Where is it from? Wisconsin. Are you saying words? Sir, there's the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, um, they, they come right out and say, no tropical or rare herbs are used here. Just carefully blended flavors of juniper, coriander, rose hips, lavender, and spruce tips on just just with the um, gin itself, the lavender really comes through as well as that sprucey pine juniper forwardness. And so I was interested to see how it was gonna play with these uh, rosemary and sea salt crackers. And the crackers were great in and of themselves, but when paired with the gin, wow, the rosemary is dialed up by like 10. It becomes so intense, not, not off-putting in any way, but just like really, really intense. Oh, just it's beautiful it's a flavor explosion of rosemary and a little bit of sea salt in your mouth and it was delightful <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i wonder if that would work with other as part of me i was thinking when you're saying about the lavender i was like oh, what would work well with lavender gin? and then you said rosemary i was like oh yeah maybe rosemary would work well and now i'm wondering like if that would also follow through with other lavender forward gins whether the rosemary would be a good combination to go with that as well so from a culinary background um i i tend to agree with kelly quite often actually in most things um so um, for those listening i feel like the best way to kind of sum up not really because we're not done yet but just as a general rule with pairing there's there's some old adage rules you know white with fish and all this other stuff for wine and right a lot of people don't a lot of people don't sit and which is a shame don't sit and do just spirits um and food you know they every now and then you'll see a whiskey you know menu and you know i think mccallan has a has a little like 13 or 14 page book about whiskey and cheese but um uh i feel like a gin a gin you you know, like what's on the genu would be something we could do. Mm. Um, uh, just, I, I don't know. I, I love the idea of gin and food. So I, I poured myself another gin and I'm going to play with it while you guys talk more. And I, I see you have some, some chips there, uh, Kelly. I do. Um, so I love really weird um, flavored potato chips or crisps. Sorry, Miss Crisps uh, that... Uh, don't come into the United States. So I went to H Mart. Oh, wow. And I got these Lay's that are crab, fried crab flavor. Okay. So I've never had them before. Um, they look really interesting. And so I have, um, since I know most people, except for most of all of us here, don't drink gin meat. We usually have them in cocktails. What I have is I have two different cocktails. I have my tuxedo. And then I made a 50-50 martini last night stuck it in my freezer with a little bit about 10% dilution so 50 50 martini equal meaning equal parts uh gin to the driver mousse use um nolly pratt's driver mousse and our system djop so a little bit of higher proof lots of juniper and i am going to try these crab chips 
which I'm assuming are going to be a little bit of umaminess, a little bit of saltiness, and I don't even know what else is going to be going on here. So I'm going to try these, and I will let Smith, uh, if you could think of a gin that would go mm. with you, what you would think fried crab flavor crisps would be, what type of gin would you think? Hmm. Well, I mean, I like here's the here's here's the here's the cheat. I reckon it's probably most stuff's going to go well with a citrusy gin. That's mine. Mine. I mean, if I was going to pour you a gin right now, Kelly, if I was like, what's going to be a gin that might go well with it that Kelly would enjoy? Then I would. But this is not not my final choice. But I would pour you. You just go and grab it. I will tell you, the bag smells like cup of noodle before you put the water in it. Oh. No. All right. Yes. He's still looking for what he's going to pour you. <laughs> well, I pour you a bit of this bad boy, Kelly, but that's just because I know you really want to try it. <laughs> Ooh. Is that the popular yuzu- rarest? It's the yuzu one, yes. Oh. Which I thought you'd like. But, um,. It's interesting because we're seeing there's seeing a lot more like salty gins come on the market, particularly in Europe. But I don't know that I would necessarily go down that route. I think I would probably go down the route of something that was maybe a little bit more herbal. So maybe I would go with something. This isn't what's in that sexual bottle, but as it's sitting in front of me, something like this, which is a a Melissa or lemon balm gin. So you're getting citrus and you're also getting leafiness. And I think that that might just work. It might split the difference between those for your crab chips. I will tell you the chip is not very salty at all. Mm. And it's almost very um, toasted seaweed, like nori is what it tastes like. So it goes much better with my 50-50 than it does with my tuxedo. Ah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I was pairing the Great Northern with pretzels, knockout delicious. It went pretty well with the nuts, but I gotta be honest, it did not pair well with the, um, they're basically like vegan Cheetos. They're the vegan white cheddar hippies, which are delicious in and of themselves, but paired with this particular gin, it gave the gin a really weird viscosity oily vibe when like a funky flavor. I'm like, nah, not, not so much. That, that was not a winner, but pretzels and nuts also very good with this. How would your crab chips go with a dirty martini? Do you think, Kelly? I know it's not your sort of thing, but not my sort of sort of thing. But I will do. I do have some saline solution hanging out um, that I can just put a few droppers yeah. in. So or some like olive bitters or something like that. I could maybe yeah. see. Yeah, something. let me go. Let me go find that. Um, okay. let's talk about cheese, shall we? Yes, please. Um, so, oh, it's a total aside, but I was watching because they're showing them all at the um, local cinema to me, one a week, all the James Bond films again. And oh. just according to I'm a bit of a fan. And one of the things I noticed when I was watching Dr. No on the big screen is that Dr. No puts on a really good cheese board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a nice spread. They're having dinner right at the end, and they've got like two purple grapes and two green grapes each and they've obviously had the cheese and then you see this cheese at the in the front and you're like oh put on a good cheese board there's a there's a stilton there's a cheddar there's a yarlsberg at least probably a brie 
fair play to him. He's in the he's in Jamaica, so good good anyway. Side note. Um so uh Cheddar, there we go. It's my little bit of cheddar that's left. Um one of my favorite pairings for cheddar is um I'm gonna use the what am I gonna use? Just bear with me a sec, grab another bottle. Oh, well, while they're grabbing that, I gotta say, I just again to uh, a restaurant, a barrel This is Copperworks Distilling Company. Oh wow, the nose on this is beautiful. It was uh, finished in charred American oak barrels. It has a really deliciously sweet kind of nose. The juniper is there, but it just got this kind of brown sugar vibe going on, and the palate is delicious. A little bit of toast and like baking spice that oak is coming through, but the gin is still quite prominent. So this is actually a very well-balanced barrel-aged gin. Nice. Mindy, what's in your glass? I switched over to um, Benham's Sonoma Dry Gin. This is a California gin. Good, good choice, good choice. It's very minty and um, like lots of different herbs and teas. There's a lot of chamomile. And I, I'm struggling to find something to really pair it with. So far, the winner is Julia's Rosemary Cracker Things. But I'm still working my way through the spread. <laughs> chamomile. Chamomile. Maybe you could have a little little pot of Greek yogurt with a drizzle of honey. Yeah, we, we, we don't have Great. that. Yeah, we, we don't have any of that. <laughs> we're going to go with Cool Ranch Doritos. Yeah, we're going to try a Dorito with it. <laughs> I got to say, this Copperworks aged gin is going fantastically with this plant jerky from beyond. It makes it earthier and gamier. So while this is a good, decent plant-based jerky in and of itself, with this particular gin, it makes it taste like a fucking animal. <laughs> so it's, that's really interesting. And yeah. Oh, was it oh, good with the Doritos? Yeah, good with the Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> How would the plant-based jerky go with an unaged gin though? I will try that and let you know. Try that one. As a stirrer. <laughs> and then what is it? Is it like strips or is it like a long, thin piece? Um, they're little, little nuggets. Yeah, they're little strips. Um, oh, I do you have really use pipes here. Uh, oh, use that as a stirrer? I could use one of the other ones. Yeah. Well, use like things. Things. I mean, that's another way you can, there's another way of doing the gin oh. food pairing. I mean, that's probably the most common way is the is the garnish, right? The olive in your martini or whatever it might Bloody be. Bloody Mary? Oh, uh, I know. Sorry? The Bloody Mary, the red pepper. The yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, I remember once I had a gin tonic, which is what I've got here, um, in Spain, and it was served with a small bowl of sort of sour jelly candies, which went surprisingly well. Oh, actually. that. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Sorry. No, I just I just dipped a different plant jerky into the whisker into the gin. You know he was teasing you. That was not good. <laughs> this is this is an experiment, Justin. In case you weren't aware, sorry. Excuse me, I'm gonna stir mine with the Cheeto. Oh no! Can't recommend that. That was not good. <laughs> so I want to know what uh, Smith paired with his his English cheddar. I like it with a gin tonic. I think it's a good standard. Works well. I don't so have is it a, 
Is it a matured chet English cheddar? I believe it's a, it's a number six. The number six, okay. It's extra mature. Numbers? Yeah, what does that mean? What? what does that mean for the Americans? What? So like the real like mild taste of nothing is number one. And then it goes up to like six or seven for the real uh, okay. age, real taste like something. So your cheese is pungently flavored. It's strong. It's okay. um, concentrated as opposed to like a Stilton. It's an extra mature. So I like cheddar, gin and tonic. I think the strong flavor, the slight fattiness works well. You don't even need a cracking just with that slight, the sweetness, the acidity that you're getting. One of my favorites for a Negroni is a blue cheese, like a Silton or something like that. I think that just works. So I'm, I think I've got any actually, but that's like one of my favorites is a Silton. And then if you wanted to go for a softer cheese, like a Brie or a Camembert, then your slow gin, I think, works really well. Because it's fruity, you see? So you've got that fruitiness with the cheese. It's kind of quite a natural match. So you can very easily get three cheeses, three different gins, and all in one, we can have one gin, really, and then and a slow gin. And you've got a little starting point for your um, tasting fiesta. So I'll take your Stilton and Negroni one step further. If you, let's say, find yourself buying a lot of Stilton and for whatever reason, can't eat it all within a certain amount of time. I did this for Negroni week last year where I took cheesecloth and I soaked it in Negroni and then I wrapped it around my Stilton and put it in cheese paper in my fridge for about a month and let the, the Negroni seep into the cheese flavoring the Stilton. That is like that. next level. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, wow. That's quite an idea. That is a commitment for sure. <laughs> yeah. My fridge smelled really nice. David, for now. Who knows? Stilton, probably. Um, so I'm doing. I really uh, insulted him on that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say Ila Murata. Isla Morata. I'd go with Isla Morata. Yeah, Isla Morata again um, from Florida. Um, it's quite interesting. It's quite distinct. Um, a little bit of herbal. Decent floral nose. Um, honestly, I enjoyed it with several things, including a Cheeto, by the way. I'm a Cheetos puff guy. It's, it's, for those listeners out there who are still wondering what they're listening to, yes, we are talking about literally junk food and gin. Yeah, um, and we—that's why you hear all the crunching, yes. bag opening, we're rustling. literally tasting as we we're go. We're just eating and drinking. Um, yeah. So, in case you were wondering, like, what the hell is going on here? We're this is what we're doing. So, yeah. I'm just Ooh. gonna try gin tonic with some parmesan Ooh. because I had some get some house guests come and stay, and they gave me this is one of the gifts. That is huge. Some... What is this? <laughs> the world's biggest slice of Parmesan. Holy oh, shit. <laughs> That's the size of his head. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So I also. I've got a big head. <laughs> I also put the Isla Mirada in my glass. So it is a clear, unaged, not barrel rested gin. And it goes great. Yeah. So Justin liked it with his Cheetos. I loved it with my vegan version of Cheetos. It also goes really well with the uh, plant jerky. It it stays really light and lifted, and then it seems to make the jerky 
really quite soft and just easier like think maybe a, like a fattier cut of meat that that cut, that's how it softens the plant jerky i uh, i think one of the most surprising things for me was how well this particular gym paired with everything with a kit kat oh chocolate and gin is not something i would typically say but i'm actually going to go hard at the chocolate and gin this week and try and figure out the best pairings because it was surprisingly very distinct and it didn't make me want to throw up there you go. i am um, anything that's in the sweeter style so maybe like a slow gin or one of these um uh, wine, uh, you know, gin and Shiraz, um, gins, you know, like a, a bloody Shiraz, something like that, goes particularly well with a dark chocolate Kit Kat. It's one of my oh. favorite food pairings. I'll say, so the idea of, of pairing gin with, let's say, something sweet, maybe a little bit bitter or tart, actually has a lot of history. It's the first alcohol and food pairing in written history, really? um, is gin and gingerbread. Yeah, so the Ooh, first time... Great. It does. <laughs> that sounds so good. Yeah, the first time we're kind of gingerbread. (laughs) (laughs) So the first time we're seeing that it being advertised together, not not necessarily talked about together, but advertised together is in 1731. And basically they called it the London Frost Fair. So people would be like basically homeless living by the River Thames and these gingerbread um, and gin sellers would come by with a like a, a a big jug with in in a bamboo or sorry basket weaving of gin and a block of gingerbread now the gingerbread at the time you think about like in the 1700s is not very refined and so it's really hard and so you would put it in your mouth and then you would drink the gin and it would kind of dissolve and kind of like a lot of it would mask the flavor of of some of the offer parts of gin that was happening in london in the 1700s and probably the most I mean, interesting one was the fact that if you look at hogarth a uh, painting of gin lane at the bottom, you'll see what I always thought was a soldier coming back from the war, emancipated with a dog about to eat off his leg. And it turns out he's not a soldier. He's actually a pamphleteer. And so basically um, what he would do is he would go around during public hangings and try to sell refreshments uh, to the people that were watching it with oh his my. gin and his gingerbread. And if you look at the corner of it, there's like a block that has like little tiny blocks that kind of look and remind me of like... Um, Hershey's uh, chocolate bars, you know, like those little block like squares yeah. on each one of it. So that's what kind of the gingerbread, but it is the first uh, food and uh, beverage pairing in written uh, history. Wow. It's it's also sometimes now that style of gingerbread, it's less, it's not really gingerbread man style. Um, sometimes known as parkin in the UK. It's that style. And there's, I think in the Museum of London, they've got some that's still like from back in the day and it's still there. <laughs> I get an idea of how hard that was. What's the is, what's the thing with Whitstable and ginger though? Is there? I thought there was some link between gin and ginger and the Whitstable oyster fair or something. Mm. A lot of that had to do with the fact that they would um, uh, the so the oysters and the gingerbread were also two things that were served a lot during public hangings or public. Um, uh, proclamations. Um, so, if you were, if yeah, lower class oh, people, the lower the lower classes could not afford like sausages and meats and and other vegetables. And so, what they would be served, and you would see this a lot at like the Globe, also with mm. the peanut shells, 
um, it was uh, was oysters and gingerbread because it was seen as peasant food at the time. But not you've not found anything about Whitstable, mind. Maybe I'm just misremembering. I'm sure there was not something not off the top of my head, but I can I could probably find out. Um, be intrigued. I will yeah. Say, yeah. But gin- yeah. gingerbread as a whole, like I have this syrup recipe that I make for gingerbread syrup, which during the winter with gin and hot water is delicious. And it also makes a really good gin sour. Um, I will share out with you. So if you want uh, my gingerbread recipe, syrup recipe. Um, hell yes. yes. <laughs> we will definitely be posting that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I no, actually wrote, the- yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, just because it, I, I was brought up about the oysters, um, and I guess the, the, just for clarification, um, back then, like oyster was like proper peasant food. It was not, it wasn't the delicacy that it was today because it was something that you could pretty much get because the water was a lot, depending on where you were, but generally the water was cleaner. It's not, you know, but so there was a lot more oysters around. So you could just go and get your oysters. And so that was a very, very, then it was a very, very cheap food. And now it's not. It was kind of like noodling where you just stick your hand in the river in the harbor and just like wiggle your fingers and just grab a bunch of oysters off that were hanging on the side. Yeah. Things I learned. That's a pastime. Noodling <laughs> is a catfish term where you stick your hand in the oh. and they bite you and you pull your hand out. I feel like oh there's so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I've, I've, I'm feeling like there's so much more to unpack here. Uh, so why don't we have you guys back again we're gonna we're gonna yeah let's let's wrap this up we'll have you back again to talk more gin and food um i want to kind of unpack some some gin and seafood and gin uh, gin cocktail and seafood pairings and some other specific recipe ideas and let's let's betty crocker the shit so Mm. um yeah that's a thing it is, but it is now like apparently. It's, it's now a thing. That is, gonna be, that is gonna be the biggest hashtag of 2022. Let's make crap for this shit. Yes. So um Mindy, bring us home. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you, Ramblers, for joining us. Make sure that you are following everyone on all of their uh Instagram pages, Swig and Ramble on Instagram and Facebook, Julia Minute, the We Tipple, and Justin Corey, Wizard of Whiskey, and myself, Mindy Schwartz at the Whiskey Editor. We will be back shortly for part two as we uh, Betty Crocker this shit. (laughs) Man, Betty Crocker must be rolling in her grave. (laughs) Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Download almost anywhere. Join our Facebook group and follow us at Swig and Ramble on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook and Twitter for more fermented fuckery. Cheers.